Shalom. Thank you for listening at BethEmmanuel.org. Come spend the Sabbath with us. We meet at 828 3rd Street in beautiful Hudson, Wisconsin, only 25 minutes from downtown St. Paul. For more information, click on the Services tab at BethEmmanuel.org. The apostles always made reference, as often as possible, to the resurrection of Yeshua because that was their job. The Master commissioned them to testify to the world about his resurrection. You can see an example of that in the opening salutation of the epistle of 1 John in the following words. What was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands, concerning the word of life. And the life was manifested, and we have seen and testify and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested to us. What we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you also, so that you too may have fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and his Son, Yeshua the Messiah. These things we write, so that our joy may be made complete. With your permission, let me paraphrase the text I just read from 1 John 1, 1 through 1-4. Let me paraphrase the Apostle's words into simpler language. Here's what it might sound like. We Apostles are here to testify to you that we heard Yeshua's teachings firsthand from the start. We testify that we saw his miraculous deeds with our eyes. We saw his physical resurrected body, and we touched his resurrected body with our hands, and it was solid physical human flesh. We testify that he really and actually came back from the dead, and God transformed his body into a body for eternal life. All of this was shown to us, and we are telling you everything that we saw and heard so that you can experience that same eternal life and be part of our spiritual community, a community with God and with his son, Yeshua the Messiah. I'm telling you all of this so that you will experience real joy and spiritual happiness. That's 1 John 1, 1 1-4 in simple, plain language. Passover is a time for real joy and spiritual happiness, that your joy may be complete. On this same topic, Yeshua once posed a difficult question to his disciple Martha when she was lamenting the death of her brother Eleazar. He reminded her of the resurrection of the dead, and he said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live, even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? I would have replied, if I had been there, I would have replied, which part? Do I believe which part? Because that was potentially three questions. One, do you believe that I am the resurrection and the life? Two, do you believe that One who believes in me will live even if he die. Three, do you believe that everyone who lives and believes will never die? 
And then to these three declaration questions, he asked, do you believe this? So by some funny math, we potentially have four questions, which is important at Passover time. You need to have four questions to go with the four sons. So do we believe which part? Because there's four questions here, master. And he would reply, all four, the whole thing. So think about it before answering. There's really not a wrong answer unless it's a dishonest answer. He's not asking you to sign a doctrinal statement. It's not a test of your theological competence or Bible knowledge. He's just posing straightforward yes or no questions. Either yes, you believe this, or no, you do not. So let's make sure we understand the questions. Question one, do you believe that I am the resurrection and the life? By claiming to be the resurrection, he is not saying, I will be resurrected. That's yet to happen, and that's not the point of the conversation or the question. He claims to be the agent of the resurrection. This corresponds to what he says in John 5, An hour is coming, and now is, when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. John 5.25 According to this claim, the one called the Son of God will be the agent of the resurrection of the righteous. The dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, he says. The voice of the Son of God is the voice of the shofar of Messiah that will raise the dead at the beginning of the kingdom. As it says in 1 Thessalonians 4.16, a great trumpet will be blown, for the master himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Messiah will rise first. Let's focus on that thought about the voice of the Son of God. I want to take you on a slight detour over to Song of Songs. On Shabbat Chol HaMoed of Pesach, we read Solomon's Song of Songs, Shir Hashirim. And in the Song of Songs, chapter 2, verses 11 to 13, we find a mysterious allusion to this moment when the voice of the Son of God will be heard as a great shofar. Here's what it says. It says, For behold, the winter is past, the rain is over and gone, the flowers have already appeared in the land, the time has arrived for pruning the vines, and the voice of the turtle dove has been heard in our land. The fig tree has ripened its figs, and the vines and blossom have given forth their fragrance. Arise, my darling, my beautiful one, and come along. I have always wondered what a turtle dove is. I sort of picture a dove with a turtle's shell. That's not the meaning. What is the turtle dove? And what is the voice of a turtle dove? It's named after the type of sound it makes. It's a type of dove that makes a cooing, a turring sound. So it's called turtle because it turs, not because it's shaped like a turtle. In Hebrew, the word is tor. It's an onomatopoeia name that sounds like the sound that it makes. Tor, tor, tor. It's actually more of a... That's the voice of the turtle dove that has been heard in the land. 
Okay, so this is my own interpretation, but it's based on a common Midrashic theme that understands the passage that I just read to be a prophecy of the redemption. The winter is past, the rain is over and gone, refers to the end of the exile. The flowers have already appeared in the land, refers to the blossoming of the redemption. The voice of the turtle dove has been heard in our land, refers to the voice of the Messiah in the hour of redemption. The fig tree has ripened its figs, and the vine in blossom has given forth their fragrance, alludes to the kingdom age beneath the vine and fig tree. The summons, Arise, my darling, my beautiful one, and come along, alludes to the summons to rise from the dead. But getting back to the point, while discussing the idea of the resurrection with some prominent scholars, Yeshua said that the voice of the Messiah, the Son of God, will be the sound that rouses the dead from sleep. John explains, For just as the Father has life in himself, even so he gave to the Son also to have life in himself, and he gave him authority to execute judgment, because he is the Son of Man. John 5, 26-27. Or to put that into simple language, it would sound like this. Just as God is the source of all life, he gave the power of granting life to the Messiah. And he also gave him the authority to execute judgment because he is the human being, the Son of Man, who is supposed to represent him on earth. This is what Yeshua means when he poses his first question to Martha. Do you believe that I am the resurrection and the life? The question is, do you believe that I am the one who will awaken the dead and grant them eternal life? Yes or no? Second question, do you believe that one who believes in me will live even if you die? Before we can answer this question honestly, we need to know what he means by believe in me and what he means by live even if you die. When the New Testament makes reference to believing in Yeshua, it's not an existential question about Yeshua such as, was there a man named Yeshua of Nazareth or not? Nor is it a theological question about his divine nature, which is a concealed mystery revealed only in cryptic hints. It's a far more practical question about one's assessment of his title and the implications of that title. Do you believe he is the Messiah and accept his authority as the Messiah or not? On another occasion, he put the question to the twelve disciples this way. He asked them, Who do people say that I am? They told him what people thought. All wrong answers. Then he asked the disciples, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah. Even so, it's not just a matter of identifying him as the Messiah, but rather casting allegiance with him as Messiah King. The Greek word that we translate as believe and faith is often used in the New Testament to mean more than just believing, it means allegiance to a monarch or a superior, in the sense of faithfulness. 
So to believe in him is to identify him as King Messiah and then to cast our allegiance with him in obedience to his mandates, his teachings, and his calling. And and there is with this an aspect of trust that as the Messiah, he will deliver on what he promises. He will do his job. What does he mean, will live even if he die? First of all, most obvious level, it means that when his disciple dies, the physical body of his disciple will be literally raised from the dead to live forever. But it also implies that this power of eternal life from the Messiah will be planted in the person before he dies, and that death is not an indication of the Messiah's failure to implant eternal life. So to summarize the second question in simple language, do you believe that by casting your trust and allegiance with me as your king, you will be implanted with the eternal life even if your physical body still dies? It's not a true or false question. It's a yes or no. There's there's no wrong answers. The third question is harder. Do you believe that everyone who lives and believes will never die. Okay, in this case, everyone who lives and believes refers not just to be physically alive, but to those who believe he is the Messiah and have cast their allegiance with him and therefore been implanted with eternal life. Do you believe that those type of people will never die? Huh? (laughs) What does he mean by never die? Well, there's at least three ways to understand the meaning of will never die. It might mean will never die, but only sleep. And it might mean will never die again after the resurrection. Or it might mean that those disciples who are alive to witness the day of the Lord and the coming of the Son of Man will not really die but will undergo transformation, entering the resurrected state with him. We can derive the first explanation from the beginning of John 11, where Yeshua first receives word that Lazarus is sick. Yeshua and the disciples are in a village across the Jordan from Jericho, a full day's hike to Jerusalem. He could have been there in less than 24 hours. But instead, he tarries two days before saying, Let us go to Judea again. Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. John 11, 11. The disciples say, Master, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Then Yeshua spoke plainly, Lazarus has died. It's easy to gloss over this as if it's merely a euphemism. But the master does not need to speak in euphemisms with his disciples. Instead, he uses the language deliberately to make a statement. Lazarus has not died, he has fallen to sleep. If he has fallen asleep, he will awaken again. For those in the master's care, the death of the body is a brief slumber, because the body will awaken again. It's no more tragic than taking off your coat when you arrive home at the end of the day, knowing that you will be putting it back on when you step outside again. 
So let's paraphrase the master's question to Martha this way. John eleven twenty six. Do you believe that everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die, but merely sleep until the resurrection? Okay, that's the question. Yes or no? Once again, there's no wrong answer here, so long as we're correctly understanding the question. It's a question of what we believe. The spirit of a disciple of Yeshua, who dies and passes on, is not in the absence of the physical body in any sense less real, aware, or potent, but the body sleeps until the resurrection. Or perhaps he means that one who lives again in the resurrection, believing in him, shall never again die. It seems to me that this is an equally valid way to read the question. The book of Daniel says, Many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. Daniel 12.12 In John's apocalypse, the resurrected wicked consigned to shame and everlasting contempt are sent into the fire to perish in what John terms the second death. If that's the implication of the question, he asks Martha, Do you believe that everyone who lives again at the time of the resurrection and believes in me shall never die again, but enter the world to come for eternal life? Okay, yes or no. What do you believe? Do you believe that? The third option is a little more obscure, but it accords with what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15. He says, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we will be changed. If that's the implication of the question, he asks Martha, it's, Do you believe that everyone who lives at the time of the coming of the Son of Man and believes in me shall never die but be transformed to enter the resurrected state. Yes or no? What do you believe? Okay, all three of these are sound and true ways to read the third question. The fourth and final question is, do you believe this? And by this, I mean all of the above. So let me summarize it all in simple terms. Here's the four questions in one. Do you believe that Yeshua is the one who will resurrect the dead and that he possesses the power of granting eternal life and that he grants that eternal life to everyone who casts allegiance with him as King Messiah despite appearances of death so that everyone who possesses that eternal life as a believer in Messiah will never really truly die and being resurrected from the dead will go on to eternal life in the world to come? That's the question. It's a big ask. The idea is that this Yeshua is to be the agent of the future resurrection of the righteous, and therefore he can impart eternal life to his subjects even before they die, rendering their physical death impotent. John the Apostle believes it. For John, the answer was a solid yes. That's why he begins his epistle with the testimony, We saw his physical resurrected body. We touched that physical resurrected body with our hands, and it was solid human flesh. He really and actually came back from the dead 
in the same body, but he was transformed into an undying and eternal form that will live forever. And you can experience that same eternal life and become part of, part of our spiritual community. So put John the Apostle down for a definite yes. And I might counter, okay, John, you have a totally unfair advantage. Your eyes have seen what many prophets and righteous men long to see but did not see, and your ears have heard what kings and prophets long to hear but did not hear. To you the secrets of the kingdom of heaven have been disclosed. It's not so easy for me, living here 2,000 years later, in a secular world with a materialist, a materialist worldview. It's not so easy for us to believe. We are more likely to agree with the Apostle Thomas who said, Unless I see in his hands the imprint of the nails and put my finger into the place of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. John twenty twenty five. Well, seven days later, he appeared to the twelve, and Thomas was with them, and he said, Reach here with your finger, and see my hands, and reach here with your hand, and put it into my side, and do not be unbelieving, but believing. And he said to Thomas, Because you have seen me, have you believed? Blessed are they who did not see, and yet believed. Going back to the conversation with Martha, remember that, At the time, Yeshua poses these questions to her. She has not seen his resurrection either. She still mourns the death of her brother Eleazar. True, she possessed some advantages that we do not. She knew Yeshua personally and had hosted him in her home and at her table, had personally borne witness to his miraculous deeds, heard his teachings, and been spiritually nourished with the divine presence of his person. But she had none of the advantages that we have. The record of history, the evidence of the resurrection, the fulfillment of his predictions, the outpouring of the Spirit, the testimony of the apostles, the spread of the gospel to all nations. So in that respect, she had far less evidence with which to corroborate his claims than we do when Yeshua asked her, Do you believe this? Martha replied, Yes, Master. I have believed that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, he who comes into the world. And this is where we are too, as the community of Beth Emmanuel and the body of the larger Messianic Jewish movement. This is what we believe too. We agree with Martha. We are with John. And we are with those who are blessed because they did not see and yet believed. Today, let this single thought take possession of your soul. Our Master Yeshua is the resurrection and the life. Ashrenu, how fortunate we are. How good is our portion. How pleasant our lot. How beautiful our inheritance. He promises to impart to us his eternal life, not just in the future after your flesh has failed or at the sound of the trumpet of the final redemption, but right now, right here. Eternal life is not just for the afterlife. It's timeless. And if it's timeless, it's right now too. That's the idea behind personal salvation, bringing the future resurrection into our lives today. But maybe you have some doubts, a few reservations. Maybe you feel like Thomas, or maybe you feel like the man who said, Master, I believe, 
help me with my unbelief. That's okay. Press through. Trust me on this one. He's the real deal. And even if you aren't sure if you believe in him, he believes in you. Even if we are unfaithful, he is faithful. The trick is to learn to hear his voice. If the voice of the Messiah is the voice that will quicken the dead, then we urgently need to attend to the words his voice speaks. I'm talking about the teachings of Yeshua. They are the voice of the turtle dove, as Peter said to Yeshua. You have the words of eternal life. Yeshua says, my sheep know my voice. So may we be counted among the master's sheep who know his voice, among those who recognize the voice of the turtle dove. John concludes his epistle by restating his apostolic mission to testify about the resurrection of Yeshua. He says, And the testimony is this, that God has given eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has the life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have the life. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. Find rest for your soul.